Hello, and welcome to the Word Experience Podcast, where the Word of God is experienced in a fresh new way. Prepare yourself to hear God's Word talk with simplicity and understanding. And now, here's your host, Cliff Gober. Welcome, welcome, welcome once again to the Word Experience Podcast, where we experience the Word in a fresh new way. I am your host, Cliff Gober. And as you know, as we always do, let's start it off with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for this word. We thank you for the revelation that is going to come through the word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that's going to give the revelation as we hear the word behind the word. We pray, God, that every ear now is open to hear, every heart is open to receive, again, not just the word, but the word behind the word, so that your people may hear it, understand it, receive it, apply it to their lives and see change happen. We pray, God, as those who are listening to the podcast, if they're driving or traveling, that no hurt, harm, or danger may come to them. We declare in the name of Jesus that no weapon formed against this time shall prosper, but the will of God shall happen and shall come forth for every listener in the name of Jesus during this time and during this program. We thank you and honor you, God, for what you continue to do in our lives and through our lives into the lives of other people. Help us even now during this world pandemic to continue to be the people that you've called us to be, to be salt and light in this dark and tasteless world. We thank you, we praise you, we honor you, we bless your name, we say good things about you, only good things about you. We speak well of you, God, in our hearts and through our words, and hopefully pleasing to you through our actions. We declare these things to be so in Jesus' name. Thank God and amen and amen. What's going on, fam? Y'all all right? Everybody good? You good? You good? All right. There is a, um, well, I'm going to get into that right now. I'll deal with that maybe later. Um, got a great show for you today. Um, you know, in the, I, you know, it's interesting that, uh, it's interesting how God gives me uh, the uh, messages to share on this podcast. Uh, it, it very rarely is it in quote unquote times of consecration, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. And, and I don't want to make light of that. There's nothing wrong with getting away and and quieting your mind and quieting your heart and, and hearing from God, especially those of us who minister, hearing from God and then getting receiving from God what he wants us to share with the people. And I'm not making any light of that. I, I really, I'm really not. And, and I'm, I'm thankful to those who take that time to get away, to come back and feed the people of God. But for me, it's in places like the shower. <laughs> it's while I'm cooking breakfast sometimes, uh, brushing my teeth. Uh, I'll get a word from God. I'll get an idea or a revelation or a concept or a point of view uh, of several scriptures. And I'll be like, is that what you want me? Yeah, teach, share with that, son. All right, cool. We'll do it. So this is another one of those times. I was in the bathroom getting ready for my day and brushing my teeth and, you know, everything. And uh, uh, I was actually listening to a sermon. Um and uh, that's kind of that's kind of my spiritual breakfast as I'm brushing my teeth and taking a shower and all those things. I usually have a sermon uh, that's playing from one of my favorite uh, ministers. And so I'm listening to the sermon and and I get the idea. And I think it was a combination of I had had a staff meeting with 
my boss had called a staff meeting for all of the uh, the uh, employees. And uh, one of the phrases that comes up a lot in our staff meetings, and I hear it oftentimes talked about in a corporate setting, is this phrase, best practices. Best practices. And essentially what they're talking about is, what's the best way to do a certain thing? What's the best way to accomplish a certain goal? What are the, what are the, the things that can be done that we can itemize and we can categorize and say these things, if we do these things as a corporate body, if we do these things uh, as a team, if we do these things as a company, these are the best practices, we will achieve the goals that we are going for, right? And those things, that list of items, those list of accomplishments or ways of doing things, they call that list or that group or that, that, that compilation of, uh, uh, of things best practices. What's the best way to do this so we can accomplish our goal? Right. And, you know, my guess is it's something that that will start it in various uh, seminars, you know, business seminars and people come together from all over the country and they sit down and they learn at the feet of those who are good at management, good at corporate leadership, things of this nature, best practices. And so it occurred to me that as believers, uh, we should we do have best practices that have been established in the Word of God. And so today's podcast, sports fans, is called Spiritual Best Practices. What are the things that we can do as people of God that will achieve the goal of uh, advertising correctly the goodness of God, uh, putting out there on the spotlight the, the amazing things that come from having a relationship with God, What's the best practices that we can apply to be seen as God's representatives accurately, to display uh, who God is accurately to those who don't know him or don't have a relationship with him or have an incorrect image of who God is? What are our spiritual best practices? Now, you know, we know about prayer. We know about studying the word. We know about fasting. We know about all of those traditional I'll call them traditional spiritual activities. But I want to dig a little deeper. And I want to be a little more practical where this is concerned. Okay? Spiritual best practices. What are the things that we can do to better be, to be better Christians? To be better representatives of Christ? What are some of the what are some of the, the things? What's a list of things that we can do to be better Christians or better uh, examples of or representatives of Christ? And so I put a little list together, right? You guys know how we do it. So I've got six best practices that we're going to look at. Now this is going to be part one. Because I got, a, I got a bunch of different scriptures. I got a bunch of different translations. You guys know how we get down if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time. I use a lot of different translations. And then God gets involved in what we're doing and it just turns into a whole other thing. And so um, I just kind of felt as I was putting this together, this is going to take a minute. So we're going to do a part one today. And then our next 
uh, broadcast will be uh, Spiritual Best Practices Part 2. Okay, so we're going to look at Part 1 today, three uh, best practices. Some of these things you may have heard before. Some of these things you may have heard and not taken as seriously. But we got to do better, fam. We got to do better. We have to do better. The world is counting on us to do better. The world is counting on us to really get the handle on what it is to be a Christian. There's some Christians now who don't even like to use the title Christian for who they are. They just go with believer. You know, I do that oftentimes myself because in our society today, Christian can mean all kinds of different things, right? Believer kind of narrows the focus down a little more that we are believers in Jesus Christ, that Christ is Jesus is our Lord and Savior, right? Um, if you want to dig a little deeper, you can understand that, you know, by Jesus, we are able to partake in the grace of God. And, you know, we save by faith through by grace, through faith and and all of those things. But we just we just we just got to do better. We got to do better. I, I, I Can I be transparent? We got to be less mean. We got to be less judgmental. And now, listen, being less judgmental doesn't mean automatically we condone ungodly behavior. But uh, God has not called us to sit in the seat of judgment over people who don't have a relationship with him. He's called us to love people, which is our first spiritual best practice. Matter of fact, it's so important. I titled it three times. Love, love, love. Love, love, love. That's the first, the most important, in my mind, the most important best practice that we can practice. <laughs> love, love, love. It, 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 it affects me to the point where God and I had to have a conversation the other day of how mean-spirited People who call themselves followers of Christ can be in our society. And now with social media, people just fly off and say whatever they're going to say. We have an environment in our in our nation right now that says you can say whatever you need to say. No, no sense of uh, boundaries, no sense of compassion. We got to do better, fam. So so let's get into this. Let's get into this because I don't I don't. Uh, it bothers me, man. It bothers me. <laughs> it just it just bothers me. And uh, I can't speak for the heart of God. I can't. But, but it wouldn't surprise me if it bothered the heart of God also to see his people, his representatives saying, being so mean, so judgmental, so narrow-minded. Um, yeah, yeah. Let me get into this. All right, so spiritual best practice number one, love, love, love. Now, uh, I believe in an earlier podcast, I did a couple of sessions on love. One was love from the top down. That was God's love for mankind. And then I did one called love from side to side. And that was how we should love people. And it falls into three categories. So I'm probably going to be repeating myself a little bit with this. But you know what? It needs to be repeated. Because this one, man, we got to get this one right. So, <sighs> calm down, Cliff. Calm down. Dear people of God, 
let's begin. <laughs> All right, so the first category of who we should love is our neighbor. And we're going to start with Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Who should we love? Our neighbor. Our neighbor. Now, when we talk about this word love, and many of you may know this, some of you may not. Uh, when we talk about this word love, we're not talking about emotion and affection uh, and this type of thing. Um, there's a commercial out now for one. I think it's a, it's a medical company. I'm not sure. But they talk about the four words that the Greek language has for love. And the one particular uh, version of love we're talking about is a love that is unconditional, a love that is an act of our will, a love that is not connected to our emotions, right? It's called agape. This love allows us to love those we don't know, to love those we don't like, to love those that don't like us, right? Um, it, it allows us to express who God is, who is love, to, to other people, okay? So we're going to look at, again, this is not affection. This is not, oh, I just love you. You just gave me such a wonderful gift for Christmas. That's not what this is, okay? That's fine, but that's not what we're talking about, okay? All right? So we're loving our neighbor. That's the first category. So Leviticus 19 and 18. Leviticus 19 and 18 says, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Jesus quoted this later on in the Gospels, and he looked at loving God and loving your neighbor. He said, um, uh, the first, this is the greatest commandment. The second is unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So everything falls under a category of loving God or loving people. Now, later on, Jesus, uh, Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, uh, 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 it was fulfilled. Um, and so, loving people now doesn't. It's it's and, uh, it is a commandment to love, and love fulfills the law. That's what I was getting to. All right. So, love your neighbor as yourself. So that means you got to love yourself because you can't you can't give what you don't have. All right. So we have to love ourselves. And in the same manner that we love ourselves, we love our neighbor. All right. Now, if you don't love yourself or if you don't like yourself, that's the work that needs to be done between you and the father. That you have to spend time with God. And allow God to show you who, he, how he sees you. Now, others may have dumped things on you and imparted negativity into you and told you you were no good and told you you were just like your daddy and told you, you know, that because of where you come from, you have no value. But God has value for you. Okay. God has given you value because you're here. And and I was shown, I was given this revelation some time ago. If you take a diamond and bury it in the mud and in the garbage, right? It's still a diamond. If you take a diamond, if you take a chunk of gold and bury it in the trash and you dump mud on it and garbage on it and all kind of nasty, smelly stuff on top of it, it's still gold. 
it's gold with a lot of garbage on it. It's gold with a lot of mud on it. It's a diamond with mud on it, but it's still a diamond. It's still gold. So if life has thrown a bunch of mud on you, life has thrown a bunch of garbage on you, maybe you've ingested some of that mud and garbage, right? You're still the apple of God's eye. But I got so much mud on me. You still, you just an apple of God's eye with mud on you. And God will show you you in a way that clears away the mud and get you to a place where you really, really like yourself. You really, really love yourself. Now what's on the inside of you, you can spread to other people. So I know for many people it's a challenge to love your neighbor the way you love yourself because you don't really like yourself. You don't really love yourself. You think you, think you can be better. As if being better at something will add more value to who you are. It may add value to what you do, but it won't add value to who you are. Some of the most accomplished people in the world don't like themselves. And they're driven by their non-likeness of themselves. Okay? So it's not about accomplishments that's going to bring value to who you are. To who you are. Who you are is a creation of the Almighty God. And He sees you in a way that nobody else does. And I tell you, man, this is from personal experience. There is nothing like the Father telling you who you are. There is nothing like hearing from God who he says you're, you are. I oftentimes use uh, The Lion King, uh, the animated version. I haven't seen the, the one with Beyonce and those guys. Um, but the original Lion King cartoon. And, you know, Simba's struggling with going back to where he came from. And he's struggling with who he is now and who he used to be and all of these things. And up in the clouds, his father shows up, Mufasa. And Mufasa, his father, starts to tell him who he is. And I believe this with all my heart, in the natural and in the spiritual. A person can never really fulfill their destiny until their father tells them who they are. My, my natural father has told me all my life, I can be whatever I want to be. I can do whatever I want to do. He's told me that all my life. Now, the, the decisions that I made to do, he wasn't quite excited about. <laughs> but because he told me I can do whatever I want to do, it, 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 it gave me that confidence to step outside the norm and do something that nobody expected me to do. Because my father told me who I was. And boy, I tell you, as it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. When the spiritual father, when the God of the creation who created you in his image begins to tell you who you are, man, there's nothing like it in the whole wide world. There's nothing like it. So if you don't like yourself, you don't love yourself, get to the father and let him begin to talk to you. Let him tell you how much he loves you. Let him tell you what he's called you to do. Let him tell you about your purpose. Let him tell you how much he values having you in the earth. Put that gun down. Throw those pills away. You have a, you have a charge to keep. You have a destiny to fulfill. It's time for you to step into the thing that God has called you to do. It, the, the thing that nobody can do but you. Because you were born to do that thing. And once you grasp that... Now go love your neighbor the way you love yourself. 
See, this is why it's two parts, because I didn't plan on saying all of that. That's the first scripture. <laughs> all right. So love your neighbor. All right. Uh, let me hit Zechariah 8.17. All right. Yeah. Zechariah 8.17 says, Let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor, and do not love a false oath. For all these are things I hate, says the Lord. Let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor. Now, we're not talking about the person that lives next door to you. We're talking about the people in our circle, the people that we come across on a regular basis or an irregular basis, that person in traffic, that person at the grocery store, that person in Target, that person in Walmart, right? Coworkers, all of these people are your neighbors, okay? This is your own neighborhood, right? This is your world. And in your world, there are people that you interact with. So the people that you interact with are going to be your neighbors. And he says, don't think evil in your heart against your neighbor. Now, I know, trust me, fam, I know that can sometimes be a very hard thing. Because our neighborhood through social media has expanded. So now our neighborhood could be 3,000 people. And maybe a couple of hundred of them people get on your nerves when you go scroll through your feed. All right? And some things that they post you may not agree with. Some things they post you may strongly disagree with. But somehow we've got to find our way with the help of the Lord to not think evil and not think evil in our heart against our neighbor. Right. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. And I only hear you because it's reverberating in my own mind. <laughs> but let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor and do not love a false oath. All right. Don't don't don't. Yeah, we'll say it this way. Don't make promises that you know you can't keep. Don't make appointments that you know you're not going to go to. Don't don't and don't love doing that. Don't love doing that. I just love misleading people. Really? And, and you call yourself a, a Christian? Really? I just like watching people squirm when I tell them I'm coming and then I didn't I, I don't show up. Really? I love doing that. Come on, man. Come on, man. Let's come up a little higher now. Let's come up a little higher. Let's step away from childish things. Let's be spiritual grown-ups, right? All right. All right. So we're going to love our neighbor. We're not going to take vengeance or bear any grudge against them. We're not going to think evil in our heart against them, right? We're going to love our neighbor the way we love ourselves. And if we need to do the work to learn how to love ourselves, we're going to do that work. And maybe we need to kind of stay away from folks. Well, right now we're kind of in this shut down with coronavirus, uh, maybe it's easy to kind of get to myself and stay away from people so I can learn how to love myself. Amen? All right, so the first spiritual best practice is love. So we start with our neighbor. Then the next category of who we should love is other believers. And we're going to look at John 13, 34 through 36. I really, I really like these scriptures. Spiritual best practices, best practices. All right. So other believers, John 13, verses 34 through 36. 
Jesus is speaking here. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Watch this. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is the ID badge of the believer, that we love one another. Listen, love one another doesn't mean I always agree. Okay? But love one another says, I'm not going to try to tear your head off. I'm not going to, you know, call you not a Christian because we don't agree. We'll agree to disagree. I still love you, man. Again, when we're talking about this word agape, this type of love, we're not talking about a love that's based on positive emotion or affection or physical attraction. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the ability to be kind to one another. Right. Paul talks about this in Roman in first uh, Corinthians chapter 13. A lot of people like to call it the love chapter. That to me is the, the manual for love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Right. Love holds no art against its neighbor. You know, uh, love doesn't hold on to grudges. It doesn't take account. Right. And say, OK, see, five years ago, you did this to me and I'm holding on to that. Love doesn't do that. And so if you're not sure what we're talking about when we're talking about love, check out 1 Corinthians chapter 13. All right. Matter of fact, let's go there. Um, we're going to go there. We're going we're gonna to kind of do a live Bible study and uh, go into uh, this. And we'll just kind of look at this uh, very quickly. And uh, 1 Corinthians, you guys hear me typing? 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, I think we're going to go 4 through 8, see what that looks like. All right. And I'm, since I have this in the voice translation, I'm going to read this. This is um, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. Yes. All right. Check this out. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love isn't envious. Doesn't boast, brag, or strut about. There's no arrogance in love. It's never rude, crude, or indecent. It's not self-absorbed. Love isn't easily upset. Love doesn't tally wrongs or celebrate injustice. But truth, yes, truth is love's delight. Watch this. Love puts up with anything and everything that comes along. It trusts hopes endure and endures no matter what and then the last statement he says about love is love will never become obsolete i think the traditional king james says love never fails all right so somebody said well i don't know how to love be patient with people i don't know how to love be kind to people I don't know how to love. Don't be envious of people. Don't boast. Don't brag. Don't strut. Don't be arrogant. Don't be rude. Don't be crude. Don't be indecent. Don't be self-absorbed. Don't be easily upset. Don't hold on to wrongs. Okay? Put up with anything and everything that comes along. And that doesn't mean you, you allow people to treat you as a doormat. But it just says, you know what, this isn't that deep. And if it is that deep, we got to deal with it. 
All right, but we'll endure no matter what. Be patient, fam. Be kind. Don't be envious. God's going to get to you. He's going to get to you. You're in line. Somebody else got what they believe God for. You're next in line. Just keep staying in line. Keep stepping. You're going to get yours. There's no need to be envious of anyone. Don't boast when, when God blesses you. Testify, but don't boast. Right? Don't be arrogant. Don't be rude. Pushing your way to the front. You don't have to do that. These are the ways that we love people. All right, I see we might end up with a part three because I'm kind of stuck on this right now. I want to read this out of the Passion Translation. He says, love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Watch this. Love is a safe place of shelter. For it never stops believing the best for others. I, that's my favorite. I never stop believing the best. Love never takes failure as defeat. For it never gives up. Man. Man. I know there's a there's a scripture. We're not going to go to it. But uh, uh, I believe it's in 1 John. And he's talking about uh, love. And at the end of it, in one of the translations, after he describes how we should love, he says, love like that. So with all of the descriptions of love we just gave, fam, love like that. Now I'm going to read this commentary and we're going to move on. Uh, he says, Paul boils it down. Paul boils it down for the believers in Corinth. Religious people often spend their time practicing rituals, practicing dogma and going through routines that might look like Christianity on the outside, but that lack the essential ingredient that brings it all together, love. It is a loving God who birthed creation and now pursues a broken people in the most spectacular way. That same love must guide believers so faith doesn't appear to be meaningless noise. Love like that. All right. And if somebody's saying, where is that in the Bible? Where is that in the Bible? That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through uh, 8, I believe. All right. All right. So love is our ID badge. I want to read very quickly Romans 12 and 10. Romans 12 and 10 says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. See, if we can do that, if, if we can display that kind of love to fellow believers, it's going to be attractive to those who don't have a relationship with God. It's going to be attractive to those who think God is some old person with a thunderbolt up in the sky waiting to strike you down. That's not the Father. 
But they don't know that because they don't see the love of God flowing between us. Or they don't see it enough. They just don't see it enough. The Amplified Translation of Romans 12 and 10 says, Love one another with brotherly affections as members of one family, giving precedence and showing honor to one another. As members of one family. Now, some of us got some jacked up families. So this could be a hard pill to swallow. But um, if you come from a really broken family, imagine an, an ideal family what that would look like, what that would feel like. For some of you, that's, that's a tough one to really imagine. But, but take what your family was and flip it, right? And with that type of family, he says, love one another with brotherly affection now as members of a healthy family. I'll add that. That's, that's in the Cliff translation. <laughs> as members of one healthy family. Love one another with brotherly affection. Now, brotherly affection, now affection comes into play now. Because we're fellow believers. So I may not really know you, but I know you're a believer. Yo, man, I got you. Whatever you need, I got you. How you doing? What church you go to? Oh, man, what do you guys study? Oh, that's cool. But listen, man, we're having a fellowship, or we're having a Sunday school class. You should come through, right? Brotherly affection as if you are in the same healthy family. The Passion Translation says, Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. I like that. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. I'm thinking of, uh, I think it was a cartoon, Two Penguins, Chili Willy. And uh, they would get to a door and one would say, After you. Oh, no. After you. Oh, no. After you. Oh, no. After you. Right? And that's, that's the attitude we should have. What can I do for you? No, man, what can I do for you? No, brother, what can I do for you? No, dog, what can I do for you? Right? This exchange of honor and respect for one another. Right? All right, man, I'm going to let you do for me this time. But next time, right, I, I know of a minister and uh, he and some of his fellow uh, ministers will get together sometimes for dinner or lunch and they <laughs> they would have a competition as to who would pay for the meal first right and uh you know uh, it got to the point where you know they'd go to eat and one of the ministers would sneak off and say i gotta use the bathroom he'd go to the restroom and come back because he didn't want to lie go to the restroom sneak over to the waitress and say hey i'm over at that table i'm paying for the meal right and beat everybody else to the punch so by the time the the, the check came, you know, it's all paid for. Man, you pay. Oh, man, you pay. For, I'm going to get you back. I'm going to pay for the next one, right? And then the next one, and I'm making it up now, may call the reservation and say, hey, I'm coming in for dinner. It's going to be five of us, and I'm paying for it. This is my card number, right? So be, before they even get there, the meal is paid for. That's the type of love that people need to see between believers, between members of the body of Christ. So we looked at loving your neighbor. We've looked at loving other believers. And now finally, the big one, loving your enemies. Loving your enemies. Oh, man. All right. So so Jesus is about to really get in our Kool-Aid right about now because what we're about to read is pretty much where our society is right now. All right. So we're going to look at Matthew uh, actually, you know what? For the interest of time, because it's in 
It's in two of the Gospels. So in the interest of time, we're just going to go to the one. Uh, yes, because it's pretty much the same thing. Luke chapter 6, verses 34 through 36. Luke chapter 6, verses 34 through 36. I appreciate you guys, man. You guys are just awesome. The Word Experience Nation is just growing. Um, we are international. We've had listeners from Belgium. We've had listeners from Ireland. We've had listeners from Malaysia. We've had listeners from Chino, California, <laughs> Dallas, Texas, Gary, Indiana. You know, uh, there's a there's a city in Oregon, and I'm not sure what the I think it was Boardman or something like that, Oregon, and 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 many other cities across the country and and around the world. And I just appreciate. Uh, you guys checking in with your boy. All right. Luke chapter 6. We want to look at verses uh, 34 through 36. Again, Jesus is speaking here. He's about to get in our business. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you stop jesus stop love my enemies bless those who curse me i mean now come on lord you you, you're kind of asking a bit too much right you read this and you go "Ah, how are you supposed to do that you're supposed to do that with his help right there is nothing that God is asking of us that he's asking of us to do without his help. Even the stuff that we believe, quote unquote, that we can do. He's not saying don't do this without my help. He's not saying do this in your natural ability and your natural strength. But what happens is when we got folks hating on us, right? And it drives us to the Father to say, God, God, what's going on? God, you got to help me with this. And, you know, we could have tears in our eyes or we could be angry. I'll show them. Okay, you're going to hate on me. I'm going to hate on you back. No. 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 What the Bible say, eye for eye, that was according to the law of Moses. And that portion of, of God's the way we're supposed to be as God's people did not translate from Old Testament to New Testament. Some things did, other things didn't. So an eye for an eye did not translate. Matter of fact, Jesus talks about that, I believe, in Matthew chapter 5 or Matthew chapter 6. You've heard it say, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And he flips the whole thing. Right? So God is not asking us to do this in and of our own strength. It will drive us to him and he will show us either how to do it or he will show us his perspective on the situation, which can soften our hearts towards that person. I heard a minister talk about that hurting people hurt people. Right? And so, so when that happens now, uh, we can find ourselves seeing the situation from a different perspective, which allows us now to bless those who curse us and allows us now to do good to those who hate us and allows us now to pray for those who spitefully use and persecute us. Um, uh, there was a situation that happened in our country some years ago, and um, there was a group of people who felt like they were being uh, persecuted. Uh, by this particular restaurant uh, chain 
And so they, they picketed the chain all over the country and they boycotted the chain and they stood in front of the chain and, 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 and picketed. And so at one of the restaurants, the people uh, put a lunch meal together for all of the people, went out, gave them lunch, gave them lemonade, said, God bless you, right? And went on about their business. Now, these people were outside the restaurant <laughs> spitefully persecuting and and cursing those the representatives of that restaurant because of what some of the heads of the corporations had done and the corporate leadership had said or stood for or against. I'm not going to get into the particulars because if you know what I'm talking about, okay, if you don't know what I'm talking about, the point is that the employees did hear what Jesus is talking about in Luke chapter 6. They did good to them. They, they, they blessed them, right? They, they gave them lunch. They gave them something to drink. And it flabbergasted the, the picketers, my, my understanding is, right? And so we, we have to lean on God's strength to be able to do these things. And when I say we, trust me when I tell you I include myself in this. Because this is not a walk in the park. When you know somebody hates you, when you know somebody is persecuting you, when you know somebody is spitefully using you, using your good name, using your open heart, using you for their own gain and throwing you away like a piece of garbage, and God says, pray for them, bless them, love them, when James Brown, the great prophet James Brown, talked about the big payback, revenge, this is not the way of the believer. This is not the way of the believer. And, and if you need help with that, God is ready, willing, and able to help you in this area. Because when we do this, man, it, it you know, it's like, I believe Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12, do good to the, you know and don't don't return evil for evil but return evil with good and when we do that it's like putting hot coals on our enemies heads right not wishing for them to burn up but but it brings a heat of guilt and maybe shame on them and the other thing thank you lord i see that god can honor our actions when we do it his way God stays in the mix of the conversation and the situation when we do it his way. When we do it our way, it pushes God out of the situation until we messed it all up and now we're begging for him to come back and fix it. All right. But when we do it God's way, God honors our decision to do it his way. And in honoring that, it keeps him in the middle of the situation and let him handle them. Let him handle that. Right. The scripture, what does the scripture say? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and I will repay. What does that mean in 2020 language? I got this. You just love, I got this. Okay? You just love on that person. I'll take care of all the other stuff. Man, I've been called all kind of things. I've been, my character has been challenged. Uh, you know, my integrity has been challenged over the years. I've been I've been I've been described as a person I don't even know who that person is that they said I was. And I had to find a way to love. It was not easy. It was not easy. 
and it was a process. But I had to find a way to love. I've been lied on professionally, and I had to find a way to love. And the dude that lied on me <laughs> would walk by me every day and go, Hey, Cliff, how you doing? I'm like, are you serious right now? But I had to find a way to love, right? Spiritual best practices, fam. Best practices, all right? Uh, very quickly, the Passion Translation of Luke 6, 34 and 36. He says, but love your enemies and continue to treat them well. When you lend money, don't despair if you are never paid back, for it is not lost. You will receive a rich reward and you will be known as true children of the Most High God, having his same nature. For your father is famous for his kindness to heal even the thankless and cruel. Show mercy and compassion for others, just as your heavenly father overflows with mercy and compassion for all. So the way God does it, that's the model. That's how we should do it. Not easy. I understand. But boy, when we can pass that test, when we can pass that love test, man, God is really able to work in our lives. It frees him up to go, okay, now I can work this thing the way I want to work it. I got him working on something on my behalf right now. And I have to be patient and I have to operate in love. And uh, I got to trust that he's got my back and he's going before me fighting this battle. Amen. All right. So that's best practice. Number one, love, love, love. All right, let's look at best practice number two. Be humble. Be humble, right? And this, this phrase humble means to see yourself as unimportant in your own eyes. Not to see yourself as unimportant, but to see yourself as unimportant, uh, not, uh, not that you don't have any value, but you place other people's importance over yours. Now watch this. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 9. Because Jesus is our example here. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 9. He says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. All right. The Phillips translation for verse five says, let Christ himself be your example as to what your attitude should be. So Jesus gave the example of humility came out of heaven, put on an earth suit, walked among men, did not, um, uh, uh, hum and then humbled himself and became obedient to God to the point of death, right? That's, the, that's what he says in the King James, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, okay? Let Christ himself be your example as to what your attitude should be. So if Jesus, the Son of God, could humble himself, right? We, we should be able to follow that example. And I think sometimes in Christianity, we lose our examples or, or I'll say it, Lord, I'll say it. We, we find ourselves with bad examples uh, of no fault of our own, 
right? We were brought to a certain church. We didn't necessarily choose it as a child. We found ourselves following bad examples, right? And so we want to get back to good examples. Matter of fact, you know, just pray that if you've had bad examples growing up and it's kind of turned you off towards church, um, I didn't necessarily have, I had bad and good examples growing up, but some of the bad <laughs> took on more weight than the good. And I found myself kind of mad at church and church folks and kind of took a break. But I was reminded that God was the ultimate example. And and Jesus, as he, God, God in flesh, Jesus was the, the ultimate earth example. And I had to make some adjustments in my thinking. And, uh, and then I found some good earthly examples in addition to my dad and some of the other men from my church growing up. Uh, but I've seen some crazy stuff uh, done in the name of the Lord uh, uh, that, that kind of shook me a little bit. And so I had to find the right example. So, you know, in your prayer time, Lord, lead me to the right example. Show me the right people I can follow as they follow you. Right. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Right. And that should be the order. All right. All right. Philippians chapter two, verses three through four. Philippians chapter two, verses three through four. Spiritual best practices. Best practice number two. We're talking about being humble. All right. Philippians two, three through four says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. The voice translation says, <laughs> don't, be, don't let selfishness and prideful agendas take over. Embrace true humility and lift your heads to extend love to others. Lift your heads, that means get out of your own life you know, take yourself out of the center of the circle, lift your head up so you can see what's going on in other people's lives and extend love to others. Get beyond yourselves and protecting your own interests. Be sincere and secure your neighbor's interests first. All right. I got a neighbor uh, lives in the back of my apartment complex, man. Good dude. Good dude constantly looking out for other people in the building knows everybody knows what's going on not because he's nosy but just he's offering to be helpful you know now he has some physical challenges that he has i see him now it's like hey man you need any help let me know hey man you need me to help you do this he's been a great example to me to extend myself even more to my neighbors to get help all right don't let selfishness and prideful agendas take over. It's not about me, myself, and I. Not as believers. Embrace true humility. Lift your heads to extend love to others. Get beyond yourselves and protecting your own interests. Be sincere and secure your neighbor's interests first. I got to be honest, man. Sometimes I just don't want to be bothered with folks. But you know what? There's some people who have been bothered with me over the years and so sometimes I have to extend myself now most times I'm good somebody needs some help bam bam I got you bam I'm, I'm doing it because 
by the thank, thankfully by the grace of God and by the by the studying of this stuff that we're talking about today over the years, I've learned how to open myself up and be more loving. I've got a great mentor and my Sunday school teacher, and she just oozes love, and she's taught me how to love people just by watching her, right? What it is to really love somebody for ten seconds. You know, we're not talking about relationship necessarily. We're just talking about extending ourselves and and opening ourselves up to allow the love of God to flow out of us. And somebody said, well, I'm not really a loving person. The Bible says in Romans 5 and 8, I believe, that the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So it's in there. It's in there. <laughs> you just got to let it out. Okay. And we talked earlier about loving yourself. So. That's probably why it's trapped, because we don't you don't love yourself. So once you use that love to love on you, then you can extend it out to love other people. All right, all right. Uh, okay, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? What do I want to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, man, this is uh. I got so much stuff here. <laughs> I got so much stuff. I may have to just maybe put this in a book or something because I'm just I'm just scrolling through these scriptures. I'm like, wow. Okay, uh, let's do this. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, love, Lord. Okay. Uh, all right. So let's do this last scripture on. Eh, you know what? I think we covered the humility thing. I think we're good. Let's move to the last the last uh, best practice. We'll stop for now, and then we'll do part two in our next podcast. All right. So we've looked at loving. Uh, we've looked at being humble. And then best practice number three, watch your words. Watch your words. Now, this goes beyond speaking. This goes into texting and commenting and social media, and we got to watch our words. All right, Colossians, Colossians 4 and 6. This is one of my favorite scriptures where watching our words is concerned. Colossians 4, verse 6. Now, the context of what Paul is talking about is talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gospel of grace and, and how we are to explain uh uh, what it is to be in relationship with God and those things. But but there is a spiritual truth here that I think transfers to specifically how we speak in general. Specifically how we speak in general? Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, you English teachers, leave me alone. Uh, <laughs> all right, so Colossians 4 and 6 says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one, right? Again, he's talking about unbelievers asking believers questions about what it is to be a Christian. But again, I think we can translate this to uh, just the way we talk and deal with people, all right? Um, I got about four different translations here. And just for the interest of time, I'm going to read the Passion Translation. It says, Let every word you speak be drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity. Let every word you speak be drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity. 
I'm going to also read the message translations. He says, be gracious in your speech. Gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation, not put them down, not cut them out. Boy, if we could get this one. My goodness. Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation, not put them down, not cut them out. Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation, not put them down, not cut them out. Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation, not put them down because they don't agree with you, not cut them out because they don't believe what you believe. I got one more in me. Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation, not put them down, not cut them out. Now, the commentary for seasoned with salt, that's what he says, right? Let your speech be with grace, seasoned with salt. Seasoned with salt, salt is a phrase or an idiom that means friendly, clear, and making people thirsty for truth. Our words should be friendly, they should be clear, and they should make people thirsty for truth. Unfortunately, I know, and this is a pet peeve of mine, so I gotta be I gotta be gracious in my speech. <laughs> but what I will say is we gotta get better. We gotta get better. We gotta get better. All right, I'm going to finish with this. Ephesians 4 and 9. Yeah, I'll finish with this. Ephesians 4, I'm sorry. Ephesians 4, verse 29. Ephesians 4, verse 29. I'll do, I'll do one more and then we'll be done. Ephesians 4, verse 29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. All right. I'm going to read this out of the voice translation. It says, don't let even one rotten word seep out of your mouths. Instead, offer only fresh words that build others up when they need it most. That way, your good words will communicate grace to those who hear them. You know, man, I've heard things come from the pulpit that are the antithesis of this. And this is why I'm so fired up. We gotta do better, fam. Instead, offer only fresh words that build others up when they need it most. Don't let one rotten word seep out of your mouths. We, we gotta get better at this, fam. We gotta get better. We gotta get better. The world is not gonna heal if we don't bring the balm. The word is the world is not going to have flavor if we don't bring the salt. The word is not the world is not going to be enlightened if we don't bring the light. They're waiting on us. They don't even know they're waiting on us. But they're waiting on us to get it right in these areas with these best practices. Proverbs 15 and 1 says a soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. 
The message translation says, A gentle response diffuses anger, but a sharp tongue kindles a temper fire. Proverbs 16 and 24 says, Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. The voice translation says, Pleasant words are like a honeycomb. They drip sweet food for life and bring health to the body. This is what we're supposed to be bringing. We can't be mean to people with our words. We can't be divisive with our words. My God, we got to get better at this. That's all I got for today, fam. I'm, I'm, <laughs> man, man, we got to get better. We got to get better. And I got to go. <laughs> Thank you guys for being with me. Thank you for putting up with me. I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray this word sinks, is sown deep into your hearts. That you look in the mirror, let us examine ourselves, and let us start practicing these best practices. I got part two coming next time when we get together on the Word Experience Podcast, where we experience the Word in a fresh new way. God bless you guys. See you next time. Peace. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and that what you heard will start you on a journey of change and transformation. If you'd like to communicate with Cliff with a question or a comment, you can do so via email at clifftalk 63 at gmail.com. That's clifftalks, the number 63, at gmail.com. And thank you for listening. God bless, and we'll see you next time on The Word Experience.